You know, we all have a lot of data and it has to positively, absolutely stay safe. It can't get into the wrong hands. And the biggest challenge we have is how to transfer it from here to there. We all know as leaders that legacy tools that transfer our important files and sensitive data are mostly outdated and fall short on security, especially with the demands of today's remote workforce. Relying on outdated technology puts our organization's brand at risk. And that is unacceptable. So we are excited to invite you to step into the future of completely secured managed file transfer from our friends at KiteWorks. KiteWorks is absolutely, positively the most secure managed file platform on the market today. They've been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. And unlike traditional legacy systems with limited functionality, KiteWorks has unmatched software security with ongoing bounty programs and regular pen testing to minimize vulnerabilities. And the coolest part, they have easy to use one-click appliance updates you will love. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's KiteWorks.com to get started today. And now the show. All right. So today's story is really cool. And when David and I began researching it, every time we peeled back the onion, it got crazier and crazier. So in today's story, we're going to review and shine a light on the dark web. We're going to discuss what's available on the dark web, we're going to share a story of some people that have kind of had some fun there in terms of applying for a job with a ransomware cybercrime gang uh, and tell you what that looks like, because that really happens. And we're going to start off by kind of explaining what it is, why it's there, and uh, some of the uh, dangers that it shows. But like anything else, the dark web is an aspect that in order to keep yourself, your family, and your organization's brand secure, we all have to know about it. It's just like any other danger. It's why we put locks on our doors and lock our windows, right? Because we don't want people that don't belong there to have access. Well, if we don't know about this and we don't know where it is and what is out there, then we're not going to know how to protect ourselves online. And that is the purpose of this. So the reason this matters is twofold. One, when we did our research into the dark web, you'll find that all of the uh, dark web marketplaces and the websites that have these cyber gangs, the, the cyber gangs, they have walls of shame. And they publicize all of the data records, the images, the driver's license, the social security numbers, the private intellectual property, the finances, the HR information, the healthcare records. Um, so on the dark web, that wall of shame is what gets released and sold and leveraged uh, in subsequent data breaches against individuals of organizations and, and the organizations themselves. But even more so is many states now, many attorney general's offices and state governments also have um, uh, walls of shame in their own sense. Uh, like, for example, in, throughout the United States, there are about 15 different states from Indiana, Hawaii, California, Texas, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, New Jersey, uh, Vermont, uh, Wisconsin, um, and, and more. Um, they all publicize uh, the data breaches that, that they have uh, become aware of. And in addition to that, they show when the data, data breach occurred and then when they were notified of it. And oftentimes you'll see that six to eight to nine months later. 
Uh, and then it also says the number of people, the number of records involved. And the reason this matters is that wall of shame uh, interferes with organizations' ability to build their brands. Because other organizations that are going to have these organizations that have been subject to a breach as, as vendors, they don't want to do business with them. And you'll see a lot of companies today look to both the dark web as well as the, um, the uh, government-posted uh, walls of shame uh, to actually do a deep inquiry in, into that. Why? Because uh, should they not have fixed their systems and updated things, and should they wind up getting breached, they could leverage that breach into attacking themselves, into attacking the, the individual organization that is looking to buy those products or services. Um, and on the video for uh, video watchers, uh, we just showed some of the, the wall of shame of one of the um, the Ragnar uh, locker uh, uh, on the dark web, their wall of shame. And then we also showed uh, a list from one of the attorney general's offices that showed just in 2022 alone, there's 25 pages of companies that have been listed and it shows the date that it was breached, the date they were notified, all of the people that were involved, the types of records, etc. Well, with that said, let's give you a, a general and quick uh, disclaimer. Basically, it's this. Please don't go to the dark web yourself. Consider all this information just for educational purposes. Uh, people that have been there, including security researchers, law enforcement people that we have spoken to, have said they have seen things that they cannot unsee. Uh, untold uh, videos, posts, and it's really the heart of the unfettered wild west of, of criminal activity and a certain element of society that goes there. So. Again, we're here to raise awareness, uh, not to promote the dark web in any way. So please don't. Feel free to check out YouTube. Um, uh, look at our YouTube at Cybercrime Junkies. Check out other YouTube um, of, of security researchers that have gone there, and you can get a sense of what is out there. Um, but it's a place where people go when they don't want to be found, like criminals in general, uh, or if they live in a country with strict internet restrictions. Uh, and also to go there, you need a specific uh, browser, the Tor browser, T-O-R, which is like it stands for the onion router. Um, and it was originally set up by uh, federal government to access certain things and to give um, um, people that were in certain countries uh, that had uh, restrictive uh, uh, prohibitions on Internet use. So in the beginning, you know, the, the Internet is a wide open space. And most of the Internet that we go to is the surface web. It's only about five to 10% of the entire internet. I don't know if you were aware of that, but when we get online and we're looking at social media and we're using our emails and we're uh, checking information out, getting news, um, communicating with friends and family and coworkers, uh, that is really the surface internet. Uh, in addition to that, the vast amount of the internet is called the deep web. And the deep web is usually behind credentialed firewalls. It is academic research, medical uh, records that are behind and encrypted, um, legal documents, things like things of that nature, government agency documents, uh, things that that um, aren't open to the public by, by by simple searches. And again, keep in mind that every time we do a search and we uh, look online, it's recorded, it's indexed, right? Because it's how the algorithms work. They need to track all of that so that they can tie your question or your inquiry into the data that is stored in these banks of information. But when you access the dark web, the whole point of, of accessing it is to do so that allows for anonymity. 
And by using the browsers that allow for anonymity, you're able to find things that are not accessible through indexed searches. Um, so they use the Tor browser, T-O-R, which stands for the Onion Router. And basically what it does is it, 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 it spins all of your searches so that it's not coming from your internet protocol. It's not coming from your IP. Um, by the time you search using this browser, you may be accessing that, the, the internet um, from a uh, server in another country. And, and by doing that, it doesn't tie to you. So yeah, it gives you some anonymity. Um, so that is part of the reason why a lot of people um, have, have thought of using that Tor browser or similar browsers like that. But there are many other safer, more standard ways of doing that. For example, any VPN, uh, any virtual private network that you can get right on the surface web, you can download them for free. Some have paid options and they do a remarkable job of keeping your searches and your information secure. So those are always recommended. But when accessing the dark web, it opens up a world of unseemliness and and various sites that uh, really cannot be unseen once once it's visit once you actually see it. And the use and access of the dark web has dramatically increased in recent years, which is a cause for concern for many people. In an ID agent report from May, uh, the risk from remote workers has been highlighted, right? Because as we have more dispersed workforces and they're entering the internet, um, oftentimes it creates massive amounts of uh, risk to the organization because they're not all in the office operating under the network where a corporate network can lock things down. And this has been proven by the development of all of the data that's been exposed and for sale on the dark web. When we think about the significance and why the dark web matters, um, think about what a data breach is. When the data is taken, there are two basic forms of extortion that occur to people. The first is, let's say, a ransomware attack and, and cybercrime gangs such as Revil are evil um, and, and others were some of the first to do this double extortion uh, form. And that is, you know, they lock down your data and then they demand money, uh, non-traceable money. So it's usually in cryptocurrency like Bitcoin uh, to access that data. But then there's a double extortion, meaning for those that don't pay, they publicize and humiliate people by selling that data on the dark web. So there's two forms of extortion that occur in a lot of the data breaches that occur these days. In the uh, ID agent report that we mentioned earlier, there was an astonishing find on the dark web of 25, just shy of 26 million active passwords that belonged to employees of Fortune 1000 companies, which were available readily in dark web marketplaces and data dumps. See, on the dark web, once you get there, there are um, uh, marketplaces. Uh, one of the most famous one was Silk Road back in the day where all sorts of illegal activities and illegal products and services can be bought and sold all through cryptocurrency. We have an entire episode on the Silk Road marketplace and what that did to people. And in these data dumps, that's where most cybercrime gangs actually get a lot of their data to leverage it for additional spear phishing. In a semantic report uh, in September, about 65% of active criminal gangs rely on their spear phishing uh, powered by the dark web data 
uh, to launch their attacks. There are also major data leaks and data dumps found on the dark web, meaning this is all the information that has been stolen in data breaches and that is for sale on the dark web. So one of the biggest ones was the RockU 2021 password leak. ID agent uh, reported in June 2021 that a great deal of these passwords that had been accumulated on the dark web, which provided a lot of ammunition for cyber attacks, um, were listed for sale in these marketplaces. Cyber criminals could easily buy and sell uh, all of this confidential private information, uh, just like it is a commodity. And it's openly for sale right there on the dark web. In 2020 alone, over 60% of the data that was already uh, on the dark web at the start of 2020 could harm businesses. And there was an additional 22 billion new records added to the dark web marketplace and data dumps just in that year alone. For example, that Rock U 2021 uh, data leak contained 8.4 billion passwords used by uh, uh, leading Fortune 1000 company employees all for sale and all uh, available to be bought and sold and leveraged in further cyber attacks. And that was found to have occurred in subsequent years. So let's talk practically for a second. What does this mean? So, okay, so they have uh, some data of ours, right? They've got a password. You know, we've used it for a couple of things, but what does it matter? Well, l- let me tell you a quick story. In our security research, we came across a gentleman, we'll call him John. And John worked for a company that had been subject to a data breach. Didn't think anything of it, changed his passwords, followed the company you know, uh, protocols, and just continued on with his day-to-day. Within two weeks, uh, John got a call from his HR department. Never a great thing to get called by HR, so the first thing out of John's mouth was, okay, what did I do? And I'm sorry, whatever I did. Well, that wasn't why they were calling. What they were calling about is that there had been an unemployment uh, claim made uh, under his name. And he cleared it up with HR simply by saying, obviously, I'm still working here, and that didn't happen. But what that did was show a couple different things. To make that claim, there are so many aspects of John's life that had to be verified in order to proceed with that claim. And all of those had been done. You see, in the state where John lives, the uh, the government, when they make a and provide payment for an unemployment claim, they send out a bank card. They mail out a bank card from a bank uh, that is a card where they can access those funds and liquidate them. And the Postal Service has a process called informed delivery. With informed delivery, you're able to see photographs of the mail that's going to come to your mailbox. And what had happened was the hackers had compromised John's email and saw when the debit card was going to be in his mailbox and grabbed it before he even got there and were able to spend the money and exercise on that unemployment claim that had been made under his name even while he was working. Within a week after that, John got a call from a Verizon store in another state uh, saying that a phone had just been issued to him uh, and the payment had been declined, but they needed to secure payment for him. Over the next couple months, there had already been over 15 purchases uh, from Amazon uh, being shipped to different addresses in different states, all under his name, with his credentials, and tied to various credit cards of his. 
as well as certain credit cards that he didn't even know about. And then about six months later, John found out in his mail that there was a condominium in Nevada that had been uh, cashed out in a cash out refi, and then they never made the payments, so they had foreclosed on it, all in his name. All done with a valid state ID that had been obtained with his name, and his credit had been ruined. In addition, the time and expense that John had to do to clean up all of this has taken him over two years and months and months of effort and heartache for him, his family, and uh, interfered with his uh, occupation. That's just one example of what happens in one of the passwords that gets leaked in these big data breaches. And as we mentioned before, just in 2020 alone, there was over 22 billion new records dumped on the dark web. So let's get to some of the cooler stuff. So what happens? What gets posted on the dark web? Well, there's a lot of different things. PT Security published an article in February of 2021 about a breakdown of all of the activity in popular dark web forums uh, that they had found. And they found a couple interesting statistics. One is an estimated 90% of all of the posts found in these dark web forums are from buyers looking to contract someone for cybercrime. Almost 70% of the dark web forum hiring posts were looking for cyber criminals to do website hacking, to do social engineering, and some others were even um, like Rent-A-Hacker. Uh, Rent-A-Hacker is a, is a well-known um, location on the dark web where uh, various skilled criminals actually advertise for their um, services. And then when we digged into certain of the forum posts in the dark web, um, we found about 7% of the forum posts were ads for hackers looking for work. Uh, Two to 5% were forum posts made by cyber criminal developers who were selling the tools to be used. And about 20% of uh, the forum posts were uh, uh, searching for the bad actors who could obtain specifically targeted user or client databases. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You know, we all have a lot of data and it has to positively, absolutely stay safe. It can't get into the wrong hands. And the biggest challenge we have is how to transfer it from here to there. We all know as leaders that legacy tools that transfer our important files and sensitive data are mostly outdated and fall short on security, especially with the demands of today's remote workforce. Relying on outdated technology puts our organization's brand at risk, and that is unacceptable. So we're excited to invite you to step into the future of completely secured managed file transfer from our friends at KiteWorks. KiteWorks is absolutely positively the most secure managed file platform on the market today. They've been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. And unlike traditional legacy systems with limited functionality, KiteWorks has unmatched software security with ongoing bounty programs and regular pen testing to minimize vulnerabilities. And the coolest part, they have easy to use one-click appliance updates you will love. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's KiteWorks.com to get started today. And now, the show. I mean, check this out. There is a site on the dark web uh, where hackers are selling babies' personal data. Uh, 
anything from certain dates of birth, like from 1998 to 2008, uh, minors, kids have had their social security numbers, their dates of birth, their location, their parents' names, their grandparents' names, the towns that they live in, their addresses, all for sale on the dark web. So why is that so significant? Well, it's really, really dangerous because most parents don't bother to check their children's uh, FICO scores when they're still kids because they don't have loans. But there are untold stories of uh, people that as they grow into adults, they find um, various credit cards and uh, um, lines of credit, real estate, all bought in their name, even though they were children. Because when they're able to be us online, they can pay people as us, buy things as us, and act as us. They take control over our entire digital presence. When you're on the dark web and you're using these browsers, you're able to search for these and find some of these. We've we've posted on, on our YouTube channel several of the sites that we saw. One group that researchers found is called Atlas Intelligence Group, AIG. It's also known as like the Atlas Cyber Army. They have a professional looking web page and they advertise for their services. What makes this group more dangerous than others is they recruit cyber mercenaries to do specific jobs as part of larger campaigns that are only known to the top people within the cyber gang. What's shocking is that they openly advertise. Um, their leader who uh, goes by the name of Mr. Eagle and who posts with various other uh, lieutenants or captains underneath him on some of these forums actually advertise on other marketplaces, uh, such as Telegram channels, uh, along with its own Telegram channel. And Telegram is a method of communication that's used. Their targets are people in countries all over the world that include the US, Pakistan, Israel, Colombia, and the Emirates. And they also focus on state agencies and other state assets as well. They seem to be targeting uh, DDoS services, which is denial of service, taking down websites, uh, uh, gathering up the information on websites, as well as hacking scripts and tools and gathering up documents and other templates about specific individuals or companies. They sell obvious services like the, the ability to hire them to do social engineering and destroy the reputation of a person or an organization. And then they even have advanced skill sets uh, and information where they uh, offer platforms and malware uh, that would take a little bit more skill to, to leverage. But all of that is part of these forums where they all kind of get together and talk. And the prices start from $1,000 US, obviously all paid in cryptocurrency, which is non-traceable, on up from there in terms of cost. But what we found is a pattern. What we found is a pattern in these organizations where the head people that are running and targeting certain organizations or government agencies as victims, what they're doing is they're recruiting individual cyber mercenaries for different tasks. And each one is done as part of a campaign. So that way, the people that are running the cyber crime gangs, should somebody get caught, they're not aware of what role they played by doing X task. Meaning, let's say they um, hire a hacker to, uh, to do social engineering or to do brute force entry and gain a certain specific amount of data. Well, they're paid for that job and that's it. That's all that they know. 
but the masterminds in these cyber gangs are actually using that as part of a larger campaign to attack an entire region or to get an organization even higher up. And they're going to leverage those data points that are obtained in the one task that they hired in order to do that. It provides some level of anonymity and protection for the crime gang leaders because nobody, should they be caught, knows everything that is uh, that is done um, completely. Uh, so there's no way of, of of even flipping them upward to be able to uh, be able to have them rat on their on, on their bosses essentially. Um, but it also gets more complicated than that. And in our research, we found several people that had done research to see what it was like to actually apply for a job with one of these cyber gangs. And it was absolutely uh, fascinating. So Shamul Gian uh, from Cyberint wrote an article uh, in uh, July of 2022 about the Atlas Intelligent Group, AIG, and what they found when they attempted to have conversations with this group uh, on the dark web forums. This group allegedly has ties not only within cryptocurrency exchanges, but also within um, members of law enforcement in Germany that would be able to back them up and provide additional information and coverage for them. And the article goes on to, to talk about what we had mentioned earlier about their, their way of thinking and how only the admins in these forums and the cybercrime uh, leaders had full knowledge of what the actual campaigns would be. So they would hire these cyber mercenaries for different tasks using phrases of the campaign throughout their communications. And what was cool is during their uh, uh, searches, they were able to actually find a job posting uh, for spear phishing and social engineering experts. And there was another example of uh, publishing contracts uh, for web hacking individuals. Each campaign, this group tended to recruit a different set of individuals with different skill sets so that none of them really had full knowledge of what the complete campaign was about. This layered in kind of matter of segregation between the participants keeps everybody doing all their dirty work kind of in the dark. And all of this kind of bolsters the theory in uh, cybersecurity of, of, that's commonly held in cybersecurity uh, researchers, and that is that these cybercrime groups actually act and operate just like cartels, just like drug cartels, in the sense that when you compare them to other cybercrime syndicates, that clear behavior of a cartel is there, uh, as we're able to see that their leaders serve as architects of the campaigns, while the hired mercenaries follow the mastermind's orders. So how do they communicate? Well, on the dark web, they use Telegram. It's almost like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, but they use the Telegram uh, uh, platform, and when they communicate, they speak in code. They use different channels for different sects, and they um, uh, reference different leaked databases throughout. This particular group, AIG, set up three different Telegram channels. One was a data place marketplace that had leaked databases that they were currently selling. That's an example of that is what we just talked about in terms of the um, full information on specific individuals so that they can take over their identities online. Uh, the second channel that this group used is where the leader and the administrators published the contracts and uh, various subscribers or job applicants have the opportunity to offer their services for it. 
Um, that channel is really interesting. The one example that we're showing online visually right now, uh, there's a request to all people from the United Kingdom in London. They are searching for this one individual. If someone, and they post the license, the driver's license of that individual. And if someone has a connection to a police officer in London and can check the address, they're willing to pay for it and handle it immediately. And the other channel that AIG uses uh, is a commercial channel that hosts announcements from the team, just such as the process of doxing, which is revealing personal information about a user, uh, scammers that they come across, intended next targets where they talk about, and update from other people that might be interested. And this AIG group lists their services for sale uh, in Selix, S-E-L-L-I-X.io. And that platform all offers essentially like an e-commerce platform for anyone. Um, as part of their services, they're offering payment with cryptocurrency, and they even act as a middleman, uh, providing another layer of anonymity for group members. And because there's really no honor among thieves, this Mr. Eagle, the head architect of this group, warns other members that join these sites uh, against scammers or unapproved ads, meaning if somebody is advertising on there and they haven't been able to fulfill one of their tasks, they ban them immediately. And Besides that, Mr. Eagle, uh, the uh, uh, Cyberint researchers found there were four other in individuals that go by certain online characteristics, uh, certain online acronyms. One was El Royjo, one was Mr. Uh, Shawi, S-H-A-W-J-I, and another was S41T4M4, uh, and another person that went by the name of Coffee. And these admins basically take care of responsibilities like advertisement and management tasks, uh, operations of the channels. And then apparently, you know, occasionally we'll communicate with followers of the channel. And while this AIG group uh, says that they don't specifically target any specific, you know, industry or region in the world, um, most of the data that they post for sale comes from the finance, education, and manufacturing industries. Which leads researchers and observers of this to feel that this is one of the groups behind the targeted attacks in those industries. One of the things that they advertise is they expose pedophiles, is they will go and list individuals, home addresses, phone numbers, pictures, etc., uh, and other various personal information of individuals uh, that have been uh, charged uh, as pedophiles in various nations throughout Europe and North in another aspect of the dark web, a great finding was in cyber news uh, that wrote in uh, 2021, April of 2021, about their application with a ransomware gang, one of the most notorious ones in the world. This group went all the way to apply for a job as a cyber mercenary and got right to the point. And they actually verified that it was real and that it was legit. And wait until you hear about the money that is at stake here. So in scouring the dark web, what they found is, as opposed to certain you know, cyberware or cybercrime as a service advertisements that you'll see pop up throughout the dark web, this ad that was looking for cyber mercenary was actually coming from our evil, Revil, um, which is also known as uh, Sodinokibi, uh, which is one of the most notorious ransomware groups in the world. Um, Revil is a uh, ransomware as a service operation. Uh, they've extorted millions of money worldwide in the past few years. Uh, it, the group's been inspired by the Resident Evil movie, 
um, that that movie series, and it's most widespread ransomware threat on the planet, according to CSO Online and various security experts. Um, they really perfected their craft, and they're creators of that famous double ransom. First, you steal the data and hold it ransom, um, but since only about 50% pay and 50% don't pay the ransom, they double down on that and then say, well, if you're not going to pay the ransom and pay it by this date, then we're going to humiliate you and publish the data to the public. One of the members that is most well known online is known as Unknown, like that's his username, Unknown. And um, he heads up the, he orchestrates the uh, crime of hiring mercenaries that they call affiliates to do specific tasks and they pay handsomely. How handsomely? Well, in one exchange, the uh, uh, job entails uh, collecting in excess of $1 million per week. That's $1 million US per week, with the split of it being 80% to the mercenary, the person that actually carries out the task, and 20% to Reva. And what they do in these campaigns is they will to they will launch a campaign with one of the variants, one of the types of malicious code to see if it's getting past firewalls, it's actually landing and resulting in extortion that will work. Once it works and it works well, then they'll hire many different affiliates. They'll hire multiple different mercenaries to carry it on in a wider spread attack. Um, and if one variant doesn't capture enough revenue, then they leverage a different type and they feel it works on that new one, more that new more profitable endeavor. So here's really how, how it works. An attack involves a team of well-funded and skilled criminals. This is not a kid in a hoodie in his mom's basement cracking code, drinking Red Bull all night. Uh, one affiliate creates the code, another affiliate or cyber mercenary will launch it in phishing attacks and social engineering attacks. And yet another affiliate will handle the extortion and public humiliation. And yet another affiliate too will leverage that for insider trading or the selling of the stock once the bad news gets public. None of these affiliates necessarily know what the other is doing or that they're even working on the same campaign, but the architects do. And the heads, like the person known as Unknown with Revil, is the one architecting all this. And they usually keep the group small and often no more than five levels for each campaign. So when you break down the money out of that $1 million per week, they split that $1 million four to five ways with 20% off the top going to our evil. And with hundreds of campaigns going on throughout the week, you can see how it all gets broken down. But to get approved as an affiliate and to be accepted into these groups where there's there's no trust among everyone and everybody is communicating um, nefariously and anonymously, um, you have to earn it. And what they do is they give you tests they give you a scenario and see if you're able to hack into it. And once you are uh, and you send them the code and it actually works, then you get another level of, uh, of, of, of trust built up. Um, there literally are job boards. One popped up called jo Dark Jobs on the dark web. Uh, they're professional looking. They're managed like Indeed or Monster.com. Um, the applicants take tests to prove that they have the technical and evil chops to execute the tests. And then based on a series of questions and then verifications that the syndicates will do, these cyber mercenaries earn what's called trust points. The more trust points one earns, the more jobs they're able to apply for. And this is big business and big money. All the payments are made through a crypto wallet 
from the job board. And once the job is done, it's transferred to the crypto wallet of the affiliate of the mercenary. Uh, and then for an extra fee, a mercenary could even get an insider criminal at one of the crypto exchanges to launder it into U.S. currency for them. So some of you might be wondering, like we were, and that is why can Interpol and the FBI not track down these websites and these syndicates? Why can't these people get caught? Um, and, you know, the response in the hacker community is, well, it's because it's all, it's the onion router, right? There's no way of tying a specific IP to a specific individual. Um, but it's not always the case. One example is Silk Road, right? Um, and when you think about, because the Silk Road founder, which we'll talk about in another episode, actually got busted and went to prison um, because they were able to to track it down. Because like most criminals, they do one or two dumb things. Um, like in Silk Road, they, the Silk Road website actually advertised on the surface web for Silk Road. And they were able to track down from that actual advertisement where the actual IP was. There's a couple other reasons that led to that, but we'll get into that in that other episode. But when you think about it, since the servers are set up on the Onion router, right, where uh, things are spun around, you, you don't know, you could be going online in Israel one hour and then going online in uh, Dubai the next. There's no way of tying to where the actual physical person is. Um, but there's, there's certain servers that are all hosted on the Onion router. And one group of servers was called Freedom Hosting. Um, and that founder got caught um, when websites that Freedom Hosting was hosting actually went down. Um, it's believed that the FBI actually hacked them, launched some malicious code against them. It's alleged, we don't know, uh, and took those sites down, which exposed the emails and the IP addresses for all of those users who had purchased from it. So many arrests and the kingpin owner of Freedom Hosting was caught, indicted and sent to prison. So if nothing else scares you away from going to the dark web, uh, the fact that your purchases on the marketplace in the dark webs can absolutely wind up you being exposed and then indicted for. Um, this actually happened in 2015. There was a 17-year-old boy in Germany who was dealing kilos of cocaine using the dark web. Uh, and what happened is one of the producers that was producing the code um, actually got busted. Well, when they get busted, what happens? They seize the hard drive. And when they seize the hard drive, they found this producer was selling this to this dealer in Germany. And when the kid went to the post office, which he had done over a hundred times before to pick up his packages, the cops were there and he was arrested. His hard drive was seized. And when they reviewed it, they found a treasure of all of his dealings. He was sentenced uh, in... 2018 to decades in prison. And like I mentioned before, Silk Road got busted after advertising on the surface web. And we're going to leave you today with, with a story of a 55-year-old uh, Latvian woman who actually worked remotely for uh, as, as a computer programmer and advertised her services on the surface web and then also advertised her services on the dark web. In June 2021, the U.S. Department of Justice arrested her, alleging that she worked as a programmer for TrickBot, which is a malware-as-a-service platform responsible for infecting millions of computers and seeding many of the systems with ransomware. 
so how did this self-employed website designer and mother of two uh, come to work for one of the world's most notorious cybercrime gangs? Um, well, it kind of happened like this. Krebs on security wrote in June of 2021 a whole article about her and explained that Ala Max Witt, this 55-year-old Latvian national, uh, got arrested in Miami, Florida in February of 2021. The Department of Justice indicted her uh, for overseeing the creation of code, which related to monitoring and traffic of users of this TrickBot malware. And it also alleged uh, that she was involved in the control and deployment of ransomware and then obtaining payments from ransomware victims and developing tools uh, for the storage of the credentials that got stolen and uh, um, from all of the various victims infected by that TrickBot malware. So as it's alleged, this uh, Ella Max Witt had provided code to the TrickBot group for a web panel. And that web panel was used to access victim data stored in a database. Um, that database contained tons of private credit card numbers and stolen credentials from the TrickBot botnet that was used, as well as various information about affected machines uh, that had been made available. And like Silk Road and other in the in the 2015 uh, uh, German boy who who got busted, she did some things that were just really um, kind of uh, they made some mistakes that, that that were really kind of rudimentary. Um, it appeared at some point in 2020 uh, she actually hosted Trickbot malware on a vanity website registered in her own name. Uh, it was actually Alawit. Uh, .net. And um, while it's definitely a, a terrible idea for cybercrime, uh, cyber criminals to mix their personal life with their work life, um, uh, her social media accounts actually mentioned a close family member, maybe her son or husband, had the first name of Max, which allegedly was her hacker handle. So it didn't take long or even too many layers to peel back for the feds to be able to uh, identify her. And in a moment that is almost comical, um, Alex Holden, who is the founder of a security intelligence firm called Hold Security, wrote that one of her biggest mistakes happened Christmas of the prior year in 2019 when she infected one of her own computer, one of her own computers, with the TrickBot malware, uh, which allowed it to steal and log her own data within the botnet interface. It's basically like shooting yourself in the foot. So unlike what we heard before about how all of the different cyber mercenaries didn't know what the other one was doing and that way if something bad went happen the architects the head people could really never be busted um here uh this hacker mom with basically no common sense was well known by everybody in the group uh many in the gang not only knew her gender but actually knew her name uh several uh, group members had alouette folders with data in, in there. So they knew exactly who she was and where they were getting their code from. Uh, they even referred to her uh, almost like somebody would refer to their grandmother. In the end, she flew uh, on her way to Latvia by way of a stopover in Miami. And the moment she landed on US soil, she was apprehended, indicted, charged, and is serving time in prison. And while we hope you enjoyed a quick light shining into the darkness of the dark web um, we do want to caution you about going there yourself uh, 
for example, like in the uh, advertisement for the Rent-A-Hacker that we're showing online right now, um, you'll see that these people advertise for work that they will do anything. They, you know, this one advertises that I will do anything for money. Uh, I'm not a, uh, oh, I'm not afraid of anything, right? If you want me to destroy some business or a person's life, I'll do it. Here's simple examples of things I can do. Hacking something technically, causing technical trouble on websites, uh, causing disruption on networks with DDoS attacks and other uh, methods, economic espionage, getting private information from someone, ruining your opponent's business or private persons you don't like. I can ruin them financially, get them arrested, or do things like that. If you want someone to get known as a child porn user, no problem. So the level of uh, depravity that is on these sites that are openly advertised for is what we all have to be concerned about. Uh, you can see citations to this in our um, uh, YouTube channel as well. It's really kind of remarkable how uh, how dangerous it can be when people are able to hide because of anonymity online. They're able to do things that if they were in front of you, you know they would justify and uh, water down and make it seem a lot more innocent than it actually is. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Shining the Light on the Dark Web. And check out our next episode coming up right now. Hi, Cybercrime Junkies. Thanks for listening. Got a question you want us to address on an episode? Reach out to us at CybercrimeJunkies.com. We explore why cybercrime grows daily, how it is funded, productized, and organized, how to protect yourself, and where cybercrime goes to hide. And thanks for being a cybercrime junkie.